Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Mission Matters Marketing Podcast, your source for all things marketing. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at AskAdamTorres. Keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, missionmatters.com, and click on Becoming Author to Apply. All right, so now I have Andy Seth on the line. He's founder and CEO over at Flow Marketing. Andy? Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. So uh, excited to get into today's topic. So we're going to talk about your wartime business playbook. Excited to get into that. But before we do, um, let's tell the audience a little bit more about what you're doing over at Flow Marketing. Tell us a little bit more about your company, please. Yeah. So I started Flow Marketing as a was to have a social mission, and that was to create apprenticeships for low-income youth. Um, I felt like low-income youth weren't getting great career opportunities if they didn't go to college. And so I wanted to create a way that we could create these apprenticeships, help them break poverty, but I needed a business to fund it. <laughs> and so the business I created was started off as a live chat agency where I taught these youth how to do live chat. They're great uh, at writing. They're native English speakers. They're all here in the United States. And over time, we evolved that from live chat to text messaging to email, which is basically a customer support uh, service offering. And so we do that mostly for e-commerce companies, healthcare companies, um, different SaaS platforms, et cetera. And then we added to that content marketing and branding. And so we help companies that need to drive the traffic, convert it and nurture their customers. And we do that through end to end with our, with our team of yes, those apprentices, but also highly trained experts. That's awesome. Um, I think that's a great transition. So let's just dive right in. So the wartime business playbook as you created, I mean, where do you want to start with this? That's a big deal. Well, I think that a lot of people are trying to figure out still what is their plan of attack as we're going into this wartime, as I call it. We know that the economy is right now fluctuating as of the recording of this, but there's a serious recession coming our way, and we're technically economically in one. But we're going to start to see the effects of that, and I think it's going to be pretty long-lasting. And so what I wanted to do was help people prepare for and execute during wartime because what, what we were doing during peacetime doesn't work in wartime. And so there has to be a reallocation of priorities in order to get yourself through this. And, and I, my, my foundation for this was back when the 08 Great Recession hit. I had a wealth management firm, so not only was my income going down, but so were my own assets. And I had to come up with a playbook to get ourselves out of this, both from a company perspective, but also the hundreds of millions of dollars I was managing for my clients. And so that's really where this came from. And now that I've, I sold that firm, I started this company. Once I got this, now we're, here we are in yet another wartime situation. And I was able to take lessons from that last time, bring it into this company, and then map it out so that other people can benefit from it too. So let's go into some of those lessons. I know we're not going to have time maybe to go into all of them, but I do want to want to pull a couple of them out. So uh, what, what's the first one that you want to you want to cover? For sure. Uh, there's there's seven points in total. And like you said, we won't be able to cover all of them. But I think number one is to look at your business's downside scenarios. Right. And what a downside scenario means is to tier what happens at different levels if your business goes down. And what I did was structured a three-tier system and presented these tiers to my team, to my entire staff. At tier one, if we're at you know X revenue level, let's say, and depending on how you measure it, some people in products measure it on a daily basis, others look at monthly recurring, et cetera. But 
if you're at X and we get to X minus Y, that's tier one. Here are the mm-hmm. things we're going to do if that happens. There's likely going to be some discretionary cost cutting, and people have probably already taken a look at their at their discretionary costs. Then there's tier two. That's a more severe decline. So now you're not only looking at discretionary cuts, but you're also looking at some rather large trade-offs in cuts. This could include executive compensation cuts. This could include eliminating uh, certain variable expenses, uh, reducing users for different platforms. This could include pay cuts, furloughs, et cetera. So there's a severe decline level at that tier two. And then tier three means that you're in a liquidity crisis. That means you literally don't have solvency. You don't have the cash to continue with the level of staff that you have. And yes, you might have to make some pretty severe cuts at that point. And what this does is by tiering this out is it gives you a plan. It's not something you want to have happen, but at least it takes the mental pressure off and the cognitive load off of your mind so that if they occur, you know exactly what's going to happen. And for your team, this tells them transparently, here's what's going to happen too. This was surprisingly comforting to my team. I actually thought going into that conversation, I would be, wor- I was worried how will they take this news? Because some of that news meant if we hit this tier, certain people are going to lose their jobs. Certain people are going to get their pay, pay cuts, et cetera. And everyone was thankful that at least we had a plan and it was transparent and wasn't on a whim. So that's, I think, one important thing to do is to tier your downside. The second one I would say is retain and nurture your customers. This is pretty obvious, but a lot of people don't mind their customers as much as they can. They look at their standard offerings and say, okay, these are the services we've offered. We've sold those to our customers, but Now it's time to go into your customers and ask again what their problems may be. Understand that when you first sold them whatever it was that they needed and they purchased from you, they had a different set of problems when they came to you. Now they have a whole new set of problems. Now they might have the same ones as before that you were solving, but they also have new ones for sure, just as you have new problems in in this environment. So look at those problems and ask them about those problems and see if you can find common enough themes where you might launch a new product or service specifically aimed at helping them address those problems. And obviously there's got to be a a strong path to ROI on that. My company, for example, every service we provide has a clear path to ROI. That's important because right now people cannot waste a dollar. They shouldn't in general, but right now they're very sensitive. So if you can look within your client base, I bet you, you can find, that there's more problems that have emerged that you have the skill set in-house to solve. You just have to package up a solution for them, and that can help you generate more revenue and also help them pull through. So I think retaining and, and nurturing customers is a huge one. And the the last point that I'll make, and there's, we can go to it some more, but I think having a strong operations plan where you look at three things is important. The three things are eliminate, automate, and delegate. So what are the things that inside of your operations you can eliminate? Eliminate doesn't mean it's just fluff. You know, there's usually not a lot of fluff in companies that are small Mm -hmm. businesses. Maybe a large company, yeah, but these smaller companies, we don't have a lot there. So the eliminate means, you know, this was useful, but it was a nice to have. And do I need to do this process anymore? Do I need to do these sequence of steps, et cetera? When we put the lens of eliminate on our own processes, we were able to eliminate a number of different steps for certain projects, consolidate certain steps. And these were just things that 
supposedly could have been done before, but we just weren't going with that lens. So I think you'll find some things that you can eliminate. Secondly, then, is to automate. So we actually redeployed one of my apprentices who was who had a particular knack for systems. She she was on live chat and, and helped us with help desk work, et cetera, but she was really great at configuring systems. So in order to look at automation in the inside of our business, they, we knew there were a number of tools that we could use to automate workflow, but right now they were manual. I redeployed her out of some of her chat and help desk work and redeployed her into learning a particular system. We're using Zoho. Zoho One is a suite of uh, apps that you can use to automate your, your processes inside the business. And so I put her through more training on Zoho, and that training took a month, and that was an investment. But now she's building out all of the automation pieces that before were manual and restricted throughputs. So manual itself doesn't cause a problem, but if you can't put enough business through the same headcount, then you've got a constraint, right? It's, it's, there's a flow, a constraint of what can flow through your business. We need to open that pipe up. And by opening that pipe, we can keep the same amount of headcount, but put more th- more business through the same same headcount. That's what's relevant for my business. For other businesses, that throughput can look like manufacturing or inventory. But the point is where you might need to look at automating some processes and deploying some of your internal resources to doing that. And if you don't have staff, I understand, but then you've got to look at where you can automate things yourself. And the last one is delegate. Delegate doesn't mean push it down to somebody who's below you on an org chart. Delegate means also are there third-party providers who can do this at better scale than you. So, for example, when companies come to us, an e-commerce company, let's say, comes to us and they say, look, we need to have you know live chat to help drive sales, uh, to help provide customer support, text message support, and then also email. We can start doing that from day one at one-fifth of the cost that they can do it at. Now, that's important because we can drop the costs immediately. So you have operational expense savings, but then over time, as they grow, we can scale up with them. This is a great way to delegate is to find outsource providers who can do it as well, if not better, at a lower cost based on your volume. And so that's one of the things that you can look at is delegating your operations. And I think that's, or pieces of your operations. And I think when you start looking at that, you'll find that there's a core set of responsibilities that you want to keep in-house. And there are other things that you say, as long as I can teach somebody this, I'm comfortable with them doing it and executing for us. And they're going to be able to do it better than us at a lower price. And so what was the, um, first off, thank you. That was a lot. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to listen to this one again. And as you're doing this, I was taking notes and I was like, you know, uh, and I'm not claiming I had this playbook like you, by the way. Some of this I did just because I had a list of things I wanted to do and we slowed down in some other things and we got them done and others. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not claiming I was as uh, methodical as you, which I wish I had been when all this stuff started. We'd be further along even than we, we, we happened to have gotten during the time. But what was the end result of making these changes and going through this kind of methodical process that you went down? Because I don't want the people listening to think that, oh, this is just another thing to do or, oh, that sounds good. But what happened when you did this? Yeah, so let's just we'll we'll put some specifics around this. I rolled this out to my team on March 20th in the morning. So we had an all hands meeting on March 20th. That's about a one week response from when COVID started really shutting down our economy. So it took me one week to really put together this plan. Uh, so on that date is is the start point. We knew that we were playing defense, as I've told you in some of those points. There's also some of the points that are in the playbook are about offense. 
How do we also look to go on offense? And so by April 15th, we had met our Q2 goals. And I thought, oh, that's actually quite remarkable. I was, I was thinking we were going to be defending against revenue loss. We've actually gained revenue to the level that we hit our entire quarterly goals, right? Q2 would be April, May, June. We hit the entire quarter's goals by April 15th. So we continued to press with the process. Then by the end of June, so the end of the quarter, which just occurred two days ago from this recording, we had over doubled the annual recurring revenues of our company. Wow. That's how much business we had brought in. By Let's repeat that again. I want you to say that again. You what? We had we have over doubled the annual recurring revenues of our firm. Unbelievable. Yeah. I love it. So I I say this with a great deal of humility. I, I hate when I see people say like how to 10x your company and like that stuff for me doesn't vibe. It's kind of cheesy. But like I'm telling you legit, we've over doubled the size of the business. I'm experiencing wow. on the other side massive growing pains. But I need to I now have a new playbook around training, development, and performance because mm. the, the speed at which we're hiring has, uh, is not keeping up with what we're able to sell, right, mm-hmm. and the speed at hiring and training. And so I've got a whole separate issue, and people say, like, oh, that's a nice problem to have. It's not. It's not a nice problem mm-hmm. to have. It's, and the reason is because if you fail at this, that's your name. For me, that's my name. That's my company's name. And I promise somebody, I'm taking your hard-earned dollar, and I'm going to deliver something for you. The heck if I'm going to not deliver it. And so what I've found us doing is delaying start dates. And I feel awful about that. I can't start everyone the day that they want to start. I've got them staggered out two, three, a weekday, two, three days apart, sometimes a week apart. But we've got to stagger clients coming in because we just can't handle that kind of volume with what we've got currently. Man, I love this. It's a great story. So I know we didn't get through all the points. So a couple things I'll throw out here. Number one, if somebody wants to uh, learn more about flow marketing overall and to learn more about what the kind of products and services you offer, um, and also if they want to finish reading and go more in depth into the, into your playbook, I mean, what's the best way for people to do both? Yeah. So to go to uh, my website, it's feelmeflow.com, feelmeflow.com. That's the flow marketing website. Uh, you can also find my business playbook, the wartime business playbook on my personal site, andyseth.com. And um, I'll also, since people are listening to this on audio, let me give you a quick text number for those of you listening. Text this number, um, just text the phone number 646-495-9867. I'll give it to you again, 646-495-9867. And text the word, the words, feel me flow spaced out, you know, feel me flow, three words, text that to that phone number, and that'll get you into my email list. Um, and I'll also offer the first three people who text that, I'll provide an autographed copy of my book, uh, Bling, which was the number one Amazon bestseller. We didn't even talk about that, but I'll provide an autographed copy and I'll, I'll text them for a mailing address and I'll send that out to them. Man, that's awesome. Well, Andy, hey, really appreciate you coming on the show today and uh, sharing more about your background and your playbook. I mean, awesome stuff. Lots of value there for the audience. So thank you for that. And to everybody listening, thanks again for tuning in. Um, hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review on the Apple iTunes store. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, Mission Matters um, Marketing, definitely give us a, a subscribe there, but also leave us some comments in the video. I'd love to know what kind of projects and things that you're working on. And Andy, thanks again for coming 
on the show. My pleasure. Appreciate it.